Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Wednesday, January the 10th. And we're starting today by hearing from a former post office manager who was sent to prison because of the Horizon scandal. It says the government announces plans for a new law to override the wrongful convictions of 700 staff and pay them compensation. Now, they were convicted of fraud or theft as a result of faulty software. And their story, as you may have seen, has been highlighted in a recent ITV drama. Among those convicted with Senapadi Narandiran, who worked at a branch in East London. He went to prison and has now moved to Ramsgate to try and rebuild his life. He's been speaking to Sophia Aiken from our colleagues at KMTV and says he started noticing issues at his branch back in 2005. I thought I might have made a mistake and I keep on putting money, putting money, putting money every time. But every day, practically every day, became me short because at the end of the day, we balance the balance a book. So when it's balanced, everything what we sold, what we take, everything is going to be matched. But when he shows about 500 pounds today and 1000 pounds tomorrow, 1500, like that is add up, we went berserk because we're not taking the money, we're paying out, taking everything properly and still the shortfall is coming. So we got in touch with the help desk to find out what's wrong. They said nothing wrong with the uh, horizon. It's working perfectly all right. You must have taken the money or you must have given it too much to somebody or something. They always pass the bucks to somebody else. They don't want to accept anything. That's what happened. But they said, no, it's your fault, your fault. At the end of the day, it came up to 275,000 short. I said, I can't. Because I can't sell my house and replace the money because I'm not taking it. It's going somewhere. We don't know where it's going. And the official doesn't know where it's going. But they knew it's happening in the post office system, but they don't want to accept it from the day one. And you ended up going to prison for it? Three years per sentence, yeah. How long did you actually end up serving? Uh, I was serving one and a half years at Stamford Hill. About the rest of my period was in Stamford. After that, I came out and they tagged me with the angle guard and on what do you call curfew for two months or three months on curfew, and then they come and took it off. How did that feel to finally be out of prison for something you didn't even do? <laughs> yeah, it felt good because I, I'm with my family and everything, so it felt good. But still, there is a black mark. Even when I look at my kids, my wife, they know that I've been inside and come, and I don't know how they react and all these things. I want a human being, you see. so. I wasn't very happy about what happened, but so be it. It's meant to happen, it's happened. <laughs> That's how I faced it. And there are still many victims of this who haven't faced justice yet. That's right, and yes. You're saying you still have, have a black mark mm. against your name. Yeah. I guess, what do you think needs to happen now to, to bring justice to all these innocent people who have gone through the same thing? To be honest with you, ma'am, I apply for apply a visa to go to Canada. Okay. They straight away rejected me because you've been inside the prison. It's a criminal conviction, even though the case has been thrown out of the uh, system, but still my criminal conviction is hanging over my shoulder. They have to give a blanket wiped out for all the criminal uh, charges of the 700-odd postmasters because we haven't committed any crime. You guys committed a crime and we face the consequences, which is not right at all. How much has it impacted your life, this whole situation? It's, it's a great deal. I had a heart attack. I had to go for bypass surgery and all these things. Unnecessarily. Extra stress. 
and it's brought my family also you know they don't want to be like before it's when you've been inside and come out the people thinks that you have done something wrong and when you are castrated is something like they never experienced and they don't know how it was inside so they feel something like you are a person where you been there and came so we don't know about you that sort of feeling i always get it even with my family i had the same how do you feel knowing that the ceo of the post office has had her cbe she's handed in her cbe how does that make you feel when she was you know on the top it happened she should have stopped it but they never did by knowing there's a fault on the system still they let it happen isn't it that's what i don't understand why do they have to do that if the system is wrong stop it put something else or go back to the old system do by manual we would have happily done it but they don't want to do that I don't know why. Yesterday, former post office boss Paula Venels announced she was handing back her CBE immediately. Rochester and Strood MP Kelly Tolhurst was the post office minister for a year from 2019 when details of the scandal were just emerging. Well, she's told Kent Online that her relationship with post office management was challenging and there was a lack of openness and transparency. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today. And a Gravesend man has been found guilty of murdering his two-year-old adopted daughter. Daughter. Zara Gulami was taken to hospital with head injuries in May 2020 and passed away two days later. 34-year-old Jan Gulami from Oak Road had tried to deny he was home when she was injured. His partner's been convicted of child neglect. There's been major disruption on the M2 following a serious crash. Emergency crews were called to the London-bound carriageway between Faversham and Sittingbourne just before 8 this morning. Two people have been taken to hospital. We're told their injuries are not described as life-threatening. It's emerged some Maidstone United fans were seriously hurt during their FA Cup celebrations last weekend. Three supporters suffered broken ribs, a punctured lung and fractured leg as people tried to get on the pitch after their 1-0 win at the Gallagher. The club say they're investigating. Now, a Maidstone mum has described the moment a car crashed into her home. Alana Spencer's now having to live in a hotel after the property on Farley Hill was badly damaged when it happened during a police chase. The 27-year-old was in bed recovering from a miscarriage and says she's thankful her young daughter wasn't home. She's been speaking to reporter Cara Simmons. At about 7.20, there was this almighty bang that shook the house. My partner ran down the stairs because he assumed that someone was trying to get in the house. I mean, it sounded like a bomb was going off in the house. It was actually quite scary. Obviously, um, I suffer with anxiety and postnatal depression from my last pregnancy with my daughter. Um, So I had a major panic attack standing at the top of the stairs. And all that I could hear was stay where you are. And then they were screaming at the lady, get out of the car now and don't move. So it was just scary. I know that you were really, really you were sort of screaming, you were really worried and you, you went to your daughter's room, although she wasn't there. Yeah, what was going went... through your mind? Well, it was just instant instant reaction was to obviously run into my little girl's room to go and find her. Obviously, I know she wasn't there, but obviously that's just my instinct to just run in there and make sure like everything's okay. But it was just been through so much already the day before that I just didn't need that as well. And it was just like my house is now ruined. I have nowhere to go. I have no help. What do I do? What's the first thing I've got to do? And all I could think was hang my head out the window and try and breathe because I couldn't 
I couldn't breathe because <laughs> I was well, I was just shaking the whole entire time. It was horrible. You've been put in a hotel now. What's the situation like there? Everyone would think staying in a hotel room is great, um, but it's not when you've got to try and do school routines and bath times and all that sort of thing. And then I haven't really got anywhere to hang my watch in. Um, there's not really anywhere to keep anything. Obviously, my little girl wants to play with toys and I don't have any with me at the minute. Um, finding it really difficult just to... We're all on top of each other and it's just, it's not fun. Little Ava May wasn't with you at the time. Um, you must feel... No, thank really, God. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you must be so relieved that she wasn't there. Well, yeah, because at that time, normally on a normal weekday, that time is we're heading upstairs for bath time, bed, like story time, bedtime. So, yeah, it was just, it was just scary to think that I could have been on the stairs with my little girl heading upstairs and that cupboards that she crashed into and the door that literally was touching the bottom of my stairs so that would have just been absolutely crazy and I'm glad my cat was upstairs as well because I just yeah I couldn't imagine what that would be like. A 23 year old woman from the town has been charged with careless driving, failing to stop when required to do so by police and driving without insurance. She's due in court in February. Kent Online reports. The MP for Dartford is calling for the controversial ULES charge to be scrapped on days when there are train strikes. Gareth Johnson's written to the Mayor of London asking him to rethink the controversial scheme which is designed to cut vehicle emissions. He's described it as an unfair tax on working people. Now, following news that we brought you in the podcast earlier in the week that no Eurostar trains will stop at Kent stations again this year, a businessman from Mepham has been speaking about how it's affecting his life. Thomas Draper has family in the Czech Republic and regularly travels to the continent for work. He says he chose to live in that part of the county for the transport links, but would now consider moving away. He's been chatting to my wife is is Czech um, and I work as a lecturer both abroad and in the UK so I'm often traveling uh, between the continent and the United Kingdom. How often is often? Are we talking a couple of times a year? Are we talking once a month? Six or seven times a year. And how have the changes to the Eurostar stopping pattern, how have that impacted your ability to see your family, to to do your work? It impacts it quite severely, actually. Um, I try and come by train when I can because it's much better for the environment. And I come all the way from Prague. And it's a long journey. You can do it in one day, um, but you're very tired at the end. And it adds at least another hour and a half, if not two hours onto the journey, the fact that you have to go up all the way up to London. You have to get another train at King's Cross and Pancras and then and then come back. It's totally unnecessary as well, and it's just a waste of energy. You're going literally up and then back down again. I mean, there's nothing environmentally sound about that. What about the added financial cost? Does it cost that little bit extra to, to tack on the extra bit? It does cost more. It costs more to go to London than it costs, I think, about £20 to get a ticket back. And you're... What gets me is you're coming just exactly back down the line you went up that you didn't, the extra bit of line that you didn't want to go up. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it does have a financial impact. And how does that make you feel? I mean, you're paying more for a service that essentially isn't as good as it was before. Yeah, I I think um, a good analogy is 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 shrinkflation. Um, everybody's aware of that with, um, say, a chocolate bar where you're paying 
the same amount of money for the chocolate bar, but you only get half the amount of chocolate. Well, it's the same kind of thing with Eurostar. It's it's shrinkflation. You're you're paying roughly the same amount for the ticket, but you're getting much less service for your money. And can I ask you as well? So you live in Mepham, obviously you've got a lot of family over in the Czech Republic. Is is one of the reasons why you're living in Kent at the moment for those transport links because you can get to and from the continent quite easily? Yeah, very definitely it is. It's one of the reasons why I developed the job that I've got because I can get between the continent and and home quickly and easily. I, I sometimes need to take very heavy things, which um, would be um, very costly to take on airlines. Um, and I need to be able to go quickly at short notice on a regular service, um, one that's less disrupted by weather, and rail is normally less disrupted by uh, by the weather than uh, flying is um, but just unfortunately the service actually has got worse since I've used it it takes me longer to do the same thing and more expensive to do the same thing um, than it did you know six or seven years ago I mean I think everybody can understand there was a bit of a national emergency with COVID and perhaps you've got to um, allow some people to make some changes in the services they provide but that's that's all over now and there's been over for a long time and what's happened is that Eurostar has just carried on cutting their service um, to try and make what they do more profitable which is eventually um, shared out with the shareholders um, but it's at the expense of the stakeholders the the service they actually provide for people who used that line and also had to put up don't forget with all of the disruption when it was constructed in the first place. Eurostar bosses have confirmed no services will stop at either Ebbsfleet or Ashford International Stations this year. They also wouldn't commit to them returning in 2025. Kent Online reports. The funeral of a Medway man whose body washed up in the Netherlands will be held next month. 22-year-old Liam Graham was last seen walking away from a car accident in Who last July. Investigations are still taking place to understand how he came to be in the North Sea in October. The service will take place on February the 2nd. This is one of our most read stories on the website today. A nursery in Folkestone says they won't be making any changes to how they operate, despite receiving their worst ever Ofsted rating. Now, inspectors have downgraded Jumping Jack's preschool from good to inadequate and say there were safeguarding issues and poor teaching techniques. The owners believe the rating is unfair and that checks were carried out on a day when they were provided a holiday club and not educational care. Next today, in a Kent mum who retrained as a counsellor after her daughter was abused says it's vital that adults seek help if they suspect a child is in danger. Miranda from Lamberhurst has spoken out as new stats show reports of child sexual offences in the county remain close to record levels. She thinks there's a reason behind the high numbers and has been speaking to Abby Hook. I think for many, many years people have not reported it. Um, they've not known how to, they don't know where to go, what support there is out there. And I think as well with the way society has been, the shame that's associated with it, people have not wanted to speak out about it. Whereas now that's beginning to, just beginning to change. Um, and I would imagine that's why people are starting to come forward. And this is 
something very close to you, your family, and of course your daughter, Poppy. She was sexually abused as a child, and now you're both campaigning for the rights of survivors. You even retrained as a counsellor. Tell us about that experience and that journey. I was very fortunate to have counselling when um, we found out about Poppy's situation whilst we were waiting for um, Poppy's case to be looked into and as parents myself and my husband were both offered this and it was hugely helpful I mean to try and understand what that child's been through to understand the way a child sees the world I mean one of the things that was really difficult for us is Poppy wanted to protect her perpetrator um, initially because she didn't understand just how wrong what he'd been doing to her was Um, and I think that and seeing how the counselling helped Poppy, it was it had an immense effect on her. She began to understand that what had happened to her was so wrong and that gave her the strength to go through with the court case because it's incredibly it's an incredibly scary thing to do for a child, you know, let alone for an adult. Um, and s- seeing what that did, I it inspired me to, to do the same. I wanted to I just felt I've heard what my daughter's been through if I could use that experience to help others because one of the hardest things is to actually hear this um, for people that have had no experience of it. It's so shocking, it's so horrifying but in my world I just believed well if I can use that and help others then that's why I retrained and it's, it's been enormously helpful you know with the learning that I've done. I've continued to learn what it is that children and adults that have been abused as children, you know, need to help them through this because it's something that stays with them for life. The campaign today is to encourage adults to reach out and to voice concerns they might have about a child experiencing something like this. Why is that so important? When it initially happened to us, firstly, we didn't understand what Poppy was trying to tell us in our own way. Some of the signs were things like, she started telling us that she wasn't a nice person, that she was, um, that she had feelings of awful guilt. Um, She, because of the way the perpetrators work, they allow the child to believe that it's their fault that it's happening to them. So that would be, as to say, one sign. The other thing is, you know, uh, when we got this news, obviously it's horrifying and we had no experience and never heard of anyone that had been through this before it happened to us we didn't know where to start we didn't know if we should just pick up the phone to the police or you know what what do you do in this uh, in this situation and I remember myself and my husband sort of scrolling the internet thinking what what do we are you know where do we go for help and the NSPCC was somewhere that we did think of But I have to admit, at the time, we thought that was more something that Poppy could reach out to rather than us as adults. So I think this is enormously helpful that adults 
know there is somewhere to go. The NSPCC say nearly 3,000 cases were reported to Kent Police from 2022 to 2023. Kent Online News. A Kent mum who opened a bakery chain in Kent has announced four of her shops are closing with immediate effect. Lucy joins me with more on this one and quite a surprise, Lucy. Yes, Sharon's Bakery, run by Sharon Friedman, started in Sittingbourne in June 2022 and within months she'd opened stores in Faversham, Canterbury, Maidstone and Rochester. Today it's been confirmed only the original outlet will remain open. And what's the reason for the closures? Well, the mum of two has released a statement blaming ever-increasing rents, rates and utility bills. She goes on to say the shops were thriving, but currently bills are going up each month and it makes quiet days alongside the astronomical costs of running the shops just impossible to swallow. It's just not viable to continue. Now, Sharon had launched a crowdfunding campaign towards the end of last year. Was that because of financial struggles? Well, no. At the time, she said it was to grow the brand exposure and generate greater revenues. And within a few months, she'd raised more than £325,000 from almost 200 investors. She's confirmed that crowdfund has now been cancelled and the people will get their money back. She's also apologised to the staff affected by the shop closures. Finally, any collections booked for the affected stores will be delivered and the bakery will be in contact. Lucy, thank you ever so much. It's feared armed forces veterans in Gravesend will have to watch on as other people live in their homes after work on a major redevelopment stalled. The cottages on Cross Lane were due to be demolished as they were no longer fit for purpose. However, work on the project has stopped due to a lack of funding and the homes are now being rented out as temporary accommodation. We've got an update now on a story we first told you about out last week, the controversial plaza and one-way system in Herm Bay. Well, a public meeting last night had to be abandoned because so many people turned up. Just a reminder, some residents aren't happy with the new system because part of the seafront is blocked off. Bosses say it'll create a Spanish-style plaza area where events can be held in a bid to boost the economy. But many argue it's just a dead space, especially during the winter months. The meeting in the United Reformed Church Hall had to be called off as hundreds of people People tried to get into the venue with many left outside. Our reporter Ruth Cassidy was there and spoke to Carol Chance, who tried to get in. To be truthful, I, ex- I did expect people to, um, to, to come here, but not as many as there are. And I'm really pleased they're going to reschedule it to a bigger place because that shows how passionate... People live in Herne Bay, want it to go back to what it was. We're a seaside town that people visit, people enjoy, and that's what we want back. And we want our seafront back to what it was, so you can get in your cars and you can drive along the seafront all the way to Whitstable. That's stopped now. And the other issue is we've got is the one-way system. My, my gripe is the disabled parking, the disabled people, people with no mobility, can't get near the seafront. A meeting is due to be held in the larger King's Hall. We don't know the exact date yet, but it's likely to be in February. It's been revealed Christmas TV, including the final season of The Crown, added £1.75 million to the Kent economy. Locations in the county were used by major production companies, including Netflix, 
which shot scenes in Rochester, Sandwich and Gravesend. The festive special of Call the Midwife was based at Chatham's historic dockyard. And finally today, a movie starring Jason Statham that was partly filmed here in Kent is having its premiere in London's Leicester Square tonight. Production for The Beekeeper closed the King's Ferry Bridge between Sheppey and Sittingbourne back in October 2022. The action thriller is out in cinemas on Friday. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.